0: Welcome into the Power Alley. I'm your host, Pat Melicaro. If you're familiar with the podcast, this is where each month we take a look at the Buffalo Bisons and bring you the latest information and also interviews from the Bisons' players and people around baseball. The 2019 season is already underway, and the Bisons are through the month of April. Did not start the way the herd would have expected or liked this year, a 9-14 start for the Bisons where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. began the season in Dunedin. An oblique injury forced Vladdy to start the season in the Florida State League, but pretty quickly he joined the Bisons. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll listen to one of the highlights from one of the big home runs that Vladdy hit as a Bison. Now he's in Toronto, and we hope that many more home runs, like the one we saw in Scranton-Wilkesbury or even in Pawtucket, are hit in a Blue Jays uniform. Also expected in the Bisons' 2019 roster were prospects Beau Bichette and Kevin Biggio. Biggio has led the way offensively for the Bisons. As they have entered the month of May, he leads the team among qualified players in virtually all offensive categories and has added in stolen bases as well. A threat at the plate from the left side and has also versatility in the field has made it easy for manager Bobby Meacham to keep him in the lineup day after day. Bo Bichette joined the Bisons he is one of the top prospects, not only in the Blue Jays organization, but the number 11 prospect overall, according to MLB Pipeline, of the top 100 players in minor league baseball. Bichette began the season with the Bisons, and it was a little bit of a slow start. Offensively and in the field, Bichette was trying to find his way in his first A season, but he came around quite nicely, and unfortunately in Syracuse on the most recent road trip, Bichette was hit on the left hand by a pitch, breaking a bone, in his left hand that connects the hand to the index finger and unfortunately that means Bichette will be sidelined for the next month or so. Already two weeks into the injury Bichette will begin rehabbing hopefully very soon and he'll be back in a Bison uniform coming up before the All-Star break. I caught up with Bichette when the team was in Lehigh Valley before he went home
1: to begin his rehab process. Um, I mean I don't really feel it so I, I mean it is what it is but um, you know, unfortunate. <laughs> and
0: I know the prognosis is, what, four to six weeks potentially? Uh, I guess just a blip on the radar overall, uh, you know, hopefully long baseball career here.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, say, uh, I think yeah. it'll probably be around more likely around six weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as I can get back, the better. How
0: did you feel the first couple of weeks here at Triple-A were going for you before Monday?
1: Really good, honestly. I thought, um, obviously, stats-wise, the first couple, I would say the first home series, um, wasn't great, but I felt like I was making a lot of hard outs, um, having good at bats. I wasn't striking out, um, you know. And then it started; it was starting to turn around for me. You know, I was still making hard outs, but I was hitting the ball harder, um, more often. And then, uh, you know, it, you know, this happened. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is.
0: You tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like, you know even though you were making loud outs uh, early on and, and not getting frustrated, it was the, that the hustle plays on the, on the diamond that really um, helped maybe carry you through those for a couple, first week or so?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, regardless of what my stats are, my thing is, you know, I come in the field to play hard every day. So, um, you know, play hard on the bases, defensively, everything. So, I mean, defensively, too, it started out a little rocky the first couple of games, but, uh, you know, just trying to do too much. Um, cold, you know, and um, the... Um, excitement of the first, you know, first series and all that, but then I started to play really well there, too, so, um, you know, it's just unfortunate, everyth- you know, every part of it, but, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, so...
0: Yeah, uh, and what, what were things maybe Bobby Meacham
1: or, or the coaching staff were working with you on the field and maybe shortstop or we saw you a little bit at second too? Yeah, um, not really. There wasn't, you know, just kind of just continue to work on what I was working on the off season, just, you know, trying to be become more of a consistent fielder. And, uh, you know, I was really consistent in spring training, came out here in the first couple of games, made a couple of errors, and so, um, you know, there wasn't much panic just because I knew what kind of work I put in and, and just had to kind of settle down, and, and that was all Bobby was telling me. He was like, hey, man, go, go do your thing. You, you know, We know you can play play out there, so um, you know, that's what I did, and it, it turned around.
0: How nice is it to have a manager like that that just is he knows what you can do and is just going to let you play through it?
1: Yeah, really nice. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have managers like that in my career. So uh, John Schneider last year, he was always the same way, and, and I was definitely not even close to the defender I am now when I was with him so I mean he was really patient with me and uh, you know always kind of gave me that positive feeling out there and, and uh, Bobby's been the same way so uh, you know now I have a little bit more confidence in myself out there so it helps but um, yeah I know they, they both were, were awesome so far.
0: Was there a moment or a situation that you
1: gained a lot more confidence over the last year or so or is it just stra- uh, steady gradual work? I think just in my Previous seasons, I never really put the work in, and this season I've I've really been uh, working hard at it. This off season, I put a lot of work into it, um, and you know, spring training and, and coming out here, so far in the early part of the season, I, I put a lot of work into it. So just kind of having that, knowing that you know I put the work in, knowing that I'm I'm gonna go out there prepared. That's really been the thing is you know in the past I've never had that sort of confidence to know that I put in the work. So uh, you know I'm prepared and, and uh, ready to go. that's, that's the biggest difference.
0: Bob joins us here on Countdown to Bison's Baseball, and of course the, the conversation quickly turns to yourself, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio coming up together, but I'm wondering, there's a lot of players that, that have graduated up together, even especially in that bullpen. Well, what has the last couple years been like as you all have won championships and risen through the organization?
1: It's been awesome to be surrounded by those guys, good good guys, um, not just good players, good, good teammates, good guys. Um, it's made it fun, you know. It's made uh, my first few years, for a few years of pro ball, you know, a lot of fun. And so to be around them and hopefully be around them a lot, a lot longer, um, you know, it's gonna make it a lot of fun. And, and hopefully, hopefully we continue to win, and um, not just here, but in the big leagues, and and uh, you know, continue to push each other, make each other better, and, and uh, you know, it should be a lot of fun. And it has to be especially
0: fun to see guys make make the promotion of the big leagues, go up to the show, and and get their
1: opportunities. What are your thoughts, maybe, on on Vladdy debuting tonight? Um, it's gonna be really exciting. Obviously, it's been you know a long wait. He's the best hitter in the minors, so um you know to see him and, and go up there, I fully expect him to continue to be one of the best hitters in the majors. And uh, you know it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch him. I'm sure. I'm sure he's a little nervous, but um you know we're gonna watch him out there, and he's gonna look calm and, and taking pitches that shouldn't be taken and hitting pitches further than anybody else. So I mean, it's gonna be really fun to watch him play as best he can and, and grow over the next, you know, couple months and, and it'd be fun to see.
0: One of the things that really struck me the most about, uh, maybe all three of you guys, but just in particular, how natural you guys all feel in the clubhouse in this atmosphere. Did, did you, you know, with your father being a big leaguer, is this something you grew up around and you really just got comfortable with at an early age?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Calvin and Vlad grew up around it a lot more than I did. Um, my dad retired when I was three, I think. So um, he went back to coach the Rockies in 14 and I was I was 14 or 15 around that time so um, you know I mean for me it's not really I think maybe just how my parents raised me I'm just I'm quiet you know I kind of just go about my business so I don't really think it has to do with um, prior experiences for myself individually but um, you know just kind of how I was raised and and my personality.
0: And again our thanks to Bull Bichette for joining us and hope he has a speedy recovery as we hope to see him in a Bison uniform very soon. We'll check in with author Tom Stone, who wrote a book about all 30 major league teams taking a look at their all-time rosters and lineups. And we'll talk to Tom, who's a Rochester native, coming up in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's recap the first month of the season for the Buffalo Bisons. It began with an 8-3 win on opening day. April the 4th, Jacob Wagaspak was dominant. The Bisons scored an 8-3 win in the opening day of the season, defeating the Scranton-Wilkesbury Rail Riders thanks to a six-inning effort by Pack, who made the opening day start for the Bisons. Buffalo would split the four-game series with the AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees, winning the first and third games of the series while dropping the second and finale of the set with Scranton as well. Then Pawtucket came to town, and the Bisons started to struggle. A couple of losses to the principal affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Then Buffalo would head out on the road after some... Difficult conditions on the final day of the homestand made the field unplayable. Buffalo made their way to Scranton and Pawtucket, taking on the two teams that they hosted at Salem Field for the first homestand of the year, and the Railriders had their way with the Bisons. They took all four games of the series, scoring a four-game series sweep against Buffalo. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. joined the Bisons on that road trip, and when the top prospect in baseball joined the herd, All eyes were on Buffalo and the Bisons, and Guerrero did not disappoint. Hitting a home run early on for Buffalo, as called by Todd Callen. Runners get their leads from first and second. The 2-1, swung on, drilled high in the air, and deep to left, way back, gone! A big league home run, no doubt, off the bat of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and it is now an 8-4 ball game. Buffalo taking both ends of it, 2-1 2-1 and 5-4, to setting up a chance for Buffalo to take a three-game series sweep from the Paw Sox, but it wasn't meant to be. Buffalo would lose the game 11-8, to squandering a seven-run lead as Buffalo scored seven runs in the opening inning. Unfortunately, the Paw Sox bats woke up later in the game, but once again, it was Vladdy providing the dramatics, hitting a ball out of the ballpark at McCoy Stadium, and giving Vladimir Guerrero Jr., once again, another highlight real play. Into the windup the pitch is drilled on the left field side of its fair. It's well gone and it is a bare ball. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits a no doubt home run over the left field wall and the Bisons take an 8 to 4 lead. Guerrero would join the Bisons at home for what was to be a two day three game series against Scranton Wilkesbury right before Easter. However, inclement weather forced the postponement Outright of two of those three games, Buffalo and Scranton did take the field on Saturday, April 20th. In the top of the third inning, their ball game was suspended due to weather. Buffalo would head back out on the road. A seven-game road trip between Syracuse and Lehigh Valley. That's where Bo Bichette was hit on the left hand. The Bisons would only win once in the Salt City, winning the third game of the four-day series. Buffalo would continue on to Lehigh Valley, and they would win the middle game of the three-game series against the top affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. Then Buffalo would return home. They took on the Pawtucket Red Sox on April the 29th. The two teams were scheduled to play a pair of ball games. as the postponement from April the 10th was scheduled to be made up as part of a twin bill. It would be made up the following night. Buffalo once again scored the doubleheader sweep against Pawtucket, winning by identical 4-3 scores. The Herd went then open the month of May with a postponement against Pawtucket and playing a two-game twin bill on the finale of the series. Buffalo would split the doubleheader, taking game one 10-1. The month of May would start out with a doubleheader against the Pawtucket Red Sox once again, as Reigns forced the postponement of their game on May the 1st. They played a twin bill on the finale of the series, Buffalo taking the opening game 10-1 to and falling in extra innings in game number two, to 6-5. Then Lehigh Valley came to town for a three-game set. The Iron Pigs taking the first two, and the Bisons finishing out the homestand with a 5-3 record, winning on the finale, 3-2. One of the newest members of the Bisons, Taylor Saucedo, picked up the win. He made the spot start for Buffalo, notched his second win of the week, and helped Buffalo score the 3-2 win. That's where things stand for the Bisons as they enter play on Tuesday evening. They begin a three-day series in Lawrenceville, Georgia, taking on the Gwinnett Stripers. Buffalo will enter play at 11-17 on the season. It's an overall six-game road trip that will begin in Gwinnett County and finish up against the Norfolk Tides. Buffalo is making their first trip outside of the International League North as the Bisons finished their first healthy chunk of divisional play with an 11-17 record. That's a look back at the month of April and a little bit more, including the first couple days of May. Right now, let's take a listen to my conversation with Tom Stone as the Rochester native, wrote an interesting book, taking a look at all 30 major league teams. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pat. Uh, it's
2: now taking the field, baseball's all-time dream teams for all 30 franchises. So as the subtitle suggests, I took a look at all 30 teams, looked at their entire history, and went through and chose an all-time dream team, um, and not just a starting lineup, as, as other authors and fan surveys have done over the years, but, but a deeper full 30-man roster, so starters and backups, uh, up to 12 pitchers, per team. Um, and I did that for all 30 teams. And I also compared my selections with those made by, by previous authors, fan surveys over the years, uh, going back to the 50s, actually.
0: How easy was it to compile all this data? It seems like there's there's a lot, as I'm thumbing through the book. There's there's so much information. Now, obviously, in 2018, 2019, it's easier to find. But how is it to, to get all this information?
2: Yeah, the information uh, is is pretty readily available with websites like BaseballReference.com. I, I grew up in the 70s, and you know, well before the internet, I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, and back then we had those big, thick baseball encyclopedias, uh, which were good for the time, but certainly today it's a lot easier with. With great websites like like BaseballReference.com and others, um, what I did for this book was, uh, like you said, given that I'm, it's the modern era. I started with wins above replacement WAR. Uh, that's uh, that's one of the more popular so-called sabermetric stats that that uh, has its fans, has its detractors. But is but uh, either way, it's very helpful for comparing players across eras. And when you're looking at players in the eighteen hundreds then the dead ball era, post Babe Ruth, uh, all the way up to the modern times. It's not easy comparing players and the different stats uh, across such a long history in the case of the of, of the longstanding teams. So I started with war, but I didn't end there. I also looked at traditional stats, so things that everyone's familiar with, like batting average and earned run average and home runs and stolen bases and so on. Um, I also looked at postseason performance, how well they do in the playoffs in the World Series, since war doesn't really cover that. Uh, and also, how many times was each player an all-star, how, how they do in the MVP and, and Cy Young balloting, things like that.
0: Was there a team or maybe a, a player or two that surprised you the most as you were looking at this? I know there's a lot of probably a lot of names and a lot of teams to, to go over, but is there one player that you just st- sit there and thought, I didn't realize either he was that good of a player or that he would be in, in a team's list?
2: Yeah, it's hard to pick out one player. Um, there were 900 selections if you do the math, 30 players on 30 teams, so I made lots of picks. There's certainly no one. No one will agree with all 900 of my picks. That's one of the fun things for for readers of the book that I've been engaging with folks on Facebook and Twitter and getting into some debates and and so on. Certainly passionate fans of a lot of teams. Um, I will say that one thing that I found interesting was – Certain teams are very strong at certain positions and very weak historically at other positions. Uh, And so that's a way of getting at your your question, I suppose. Um, For example, the Yankees are loaded at catcher historically with Bill Dickey and Yogi Berra and Jorge Posada, Thurman Munson. It's hard to to choose amongst those guys to just pick two or three for the roster. Um, The Braves are loaded at third base with Eddie Matthews and Chipper Jones, or the Pirates at shortstop with... Wagner and Arky Vaughn. Um, but then equally so, some teams are really weak at other positions. Um, the Braves again they're strong at third base, but they're very weak at second base. It, it was a real head scratcher trying to find uh, you know one or in my case two players to choose at second base for a team that's been around since the, since the you know late 1800s, a long long history but but not real strong at that particular
0: position. Tom Stone joins us. He's the author of now taking the field baseball's all-time dream teams for all 30 franchises. And you know, to further your point, I'm looking at the Blue Jays all-time dream team right now, and, and you make the point of their third baseman, and um, you know Josh Donaldson. We know what he's done over the last couple of years before now going to Atlanta, but you know he he put up such great numbers in a Blue Jays uniform. But there really weren't that not that many uh, options to maybe choose from drilling down into third base for the Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, before he came along, you probably would have gone with Kelly Gruber. Um, or someone who played with the team a long time, often as a platoon player like Rance Um So I, in the end, I went with Donaldson as a starter, even though he had, only had those few good seasons for the Blue Jays, and then Gruber was chosen as the backup. Um, Blue Jays, of course, had Ernie Witt at catcher for a very long time, so he gets the starting nod there, but not really a position of, of you know, depth in terms of superstar names. Um, Blue Jays have been strong at some other positions, uh, you know, as an as an expansion team, you wouldn't expect them to have nearly the depth that, say, the Yankees or the Red Sox or the or the Cubs would have, the long standing teams. Um, but they had their fair share of, of of you know star players and good players, uh, pretty much up and down the roster.
0: Yeah, I look at uh, the center field position, and one of our position position coaches, Devon White, uh, made the list. And Blue Jay fans know him for the catch. Devo had such a great big league career, and just to see his name associated with this group is pretty neat.
2: Yeah, center field was had a lot of depth to choose from: Vernon Wells, Lloyd Mosby, and Devon White. One thing I did was in choosing a full 30-man roster, um, I chose a starter and backup at every position, but it also allowed me to sneak a couple of extra guys on, and that allowed me to choose three center fielders uh, compared to some other positions where, of course, there were only two. Um, one thing that was interesting about the Blue Jays, uh, and this came up with the Indians as well, but even more so for the Blue Jays. Was that Joe Carter? Uh, obviously, a very important player in the Blue Jays' history, particularly in the postseason. But you know, even in the regular season, had all those seasons with 20 plus homers and 100 plus RBIs. And yet, the statistic war, wins above replacement, doesn't treat him very kindly. Um, his defense, of course, wasn't very good in the outfield, and he also did not have a very strong on-base percentage, which is a pretty important stat these days. I think most sabermetricians uh, value that very highly, more so than batting average, and, and more so even than some stats like RBI. And So because he didn't have a, a high OBP and didn't have very good defense, his war numbers are very, very low. In fact, if he went strictly by war, he wouldn't make the all-time Blue Jays roster at all. Um, And yet I I found that difficult to stomach. So he was one of the few exceptions in the book where I really went against what War was telling me and looked at his overall resume and and found a way to still get him on the roster.
0: Tom Tom Stone joins us here for a couple of minutes here on Countdown to Bison's Baseball. I feel like, Tom, this is a book where if you're a casual baseball fan, you can really learn about the history of a team or or you it' be an introductory lesson to the history of a franchise and, and allows you to really gain a knowledge of a, a team or multiple teams in this book is, is that maybe one of the goals is, as a as a fan of baseball yourself to help introduce people to names they might not know
2: yeah spot on it, it absolutely is um, a lot of people have said you know it, it's a fairly thick book. It's, its dimensions are such that it doesn't really look like a coffee table book, but it's a it's a pretty thick book. It's over 600 pages, uh, so a lot of people are treating it like that. They're keeping it there uh, nearby, and maybe when their favorite team. Uh, you know they of course, dive into that chapter right away, uh, but then, uh, when their team is playing some other team, whether they 're watching it on t v or maybe going to the ballpark on a vacation trip you know they 'll pick it up and read that team 's chapter to to really get deeper on the on who their, who their favorite team 's opponent is you know that day or that weekend. Um, a lot of people are taking it that way i I wrote it in a way that did represent you know modern statistics like war. Like ERA plus, OPS plus, and so on, but I don't get too technical with the stats. I present them in stat tables, but then most of the book is is just written narration and mostly discusses the more traditional stats. So I wanted it to be very approachable for a very wide range of fans. Something that could be respected by the by the analysts and the sabermetricians, but but still have a very wide audience.
0: And I think something that fans that whether they grew up at Frontier Field or um, at the old ballpark in Rochester or here at now Salem Field here in Buffalo. Uh, a lot of the players I feel like that you have uh, listed in this book are guys that we would have seen growing up uh, in our time. So it, it's fun to see some of the names and some of the players and prospects that may have come through um, more recently and even uh, over the last couple of decades. So I think that that's another thing that can really tie all fans together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And And I was very careful also to allow players to be Uh, chosen for multiple uh, franchise teams so you know if you're if you're a red fan you get frank robinson if you're an orioles fan you get frank robinson there were dozens of players that were good enough to make it onto multiple rosters Um, some people that have done this you know topic before they limited players to only making one and i kind of felt that was arbitrary and 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 something that would limit uh you know the fans that really wanted to have full consideration for the players uh, while they were on their team
0: Tom, for folks that want to pick up the book, Now Taking the Field, Baseball's All-Time Dream Teams for All 30 Franchises, what are the best ways for them to do it?
2: Yeah, it's available at Barnes & Noble stores all around the country. Um, if they don't have it in stock, you can go online to their website. Of course, it's also available at Amazon for people that shop there. Um, and also, nowtakingthefield.com is the website that I've created for the book. Um, that links you also to directly to the publisher where you can pick it up, Active Sports. Uh, they publish every year the Bill James Handbook. So if you're interested in Bill James stuff uh, each year, you can pick
0: that up at the same time. Our thanks once again to Tom for joining us and lending his expertise on all 30 teams on what are his all-time rosters for all those clubs. That'll do it for this episode of the Power Alley. I'm the voice of the Bisons, Pat Malacaro, thanking you for joining us here today, and we look forward to catching up with you in the month of June as we recap May and bring you the latest news and notes from the Buffalo Bisons. As always, if you want the latest game time promotional information, and recaps of every Bison's game, you can head over to Bison's.com. Thanks for joining us in the Power Alley. We'll talk to you next time.